So a couple weeks ago, Daniel asked me to, to fill in as a preacher, and man, I'm telling you, I was like, ah, he believes in me. He knows I've been taking that class through the Baptist convention about teaching and preaching, and then I realized he was just out of town. So you have me. Um, when you have a fill-in preacher, there's really only three kinds. It's kind of like that um, children's story about the porridge. It's either too hot, too cold, or just right. So in, in, in sermon world, it's either too long, too short, or just right. And Austin went last week, and he was just right. So I'm either too long or too short, but Ray's next week, and so we know I'm not going to be too long because that'll be him. So we'll get right into it. Uh, it's, it's, good, it's good logic. Um, I love preaching. I love, I love Advent generally. I love this time of the year. Uh, we celebrate Advent at our church, which is why we have the three candles uh, lit here. We're doing a little out of order this year because Pastor Daniel's out of town. We've already done Joy last week. Austin did Hope. And I have faith this week. And so if you'll grab your bulletins, inside your bulletin, there's a little handout because um, I'm a loser and like handouts. So if you'll grab that and reference it, there's a place to fill in uh, some goals. And so today we're going to talk about faith. And I'm hoping that you think about your faith and maybe some goals that you have for yourself for next year. And then write them on that paper and take that paper with you. And hopefully we can work on that together and as individuals this year. So uh, the theme this week, as you can tell from the slide, is built different by faith. And so if you're not built different by your faith, then you just have a hobby on Sundays. That makes sense, right? And I really mean that. If you're not different, then you just come here for some other thing and it's a hobby, but that's not what God wants it to be. And so that's the idea we're going to talk about today. Um, So our story today is about um, Luke chapter 2. And before I get into that, I will point out... um, the, the song today was Oh Holy Night. Uh, I don't know if you loved it. Our band's rock stars. It was amazing. Um, and it's one of my favorite songs. I actually didn't know they were going to sing it this week, and so it kind of played into perfectly with what we're talking about. But um, some of the lines I wrote down just to share with you, um, it says, Oh Holy Night. It talks about the night divine. It talks about falling on your knees and hearing the angel voices. And so how many of you have heard that song a million times, right? We've all heard that a million times. We've all read Luke chapter 2, which we're going to read probably a million times. And so I want to just contextualize the conversation today. When you hear that song and it says, fall on your knees and hear the voices, that should really rock your socks off, right? And I think generally we, we know these songs, we know these stories, and so we kind of take them for granted. So it should move you in a very real and profound way. And so that's the idea we're going to think about today. And we're going to talk about the shepherds in Luke chapter 2 today. And likewise for them, as we read through that today, I'd encourage you to think about the perspective of their life. We know the story. We know what's going to happen. We know where they're going and what they're going to do. But just for today, if you'll think about what it would be like to have been them in that field on that night, the night that we sang the song about, Oh, Holy Night, on that night. So that's the idea. So we'll go to our scripture now. Uh, We'll start in prayer, though, if you'll join me in prayer. Father God, thank you for the day, Lord. Thank you for us to have this Advent season, Lord, and just to reflect on your first coming, Lord, but more importantly, on on the second coming of Christ, Lord. Just let this season move our hearts and prepare us for that, and let us continually look to you and and for guidance. In your name we pray, amen. So the scripture today is Luke chapter 2. I wouldn't be a good lawyer if I didn't read it and then take pauses and tell you what I think, because that's what lawyers do, because we're full of it. So uh, I'm just giving you a disclaimer. That's how we're going to do it today. Uh, I'll start out Luke chapter 2, verse 2. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar, Augustus, that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while 
Quirinius was governing Syria. I should have asked Austin how to say it. He's always good at saying those words. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Again, we know the story, and we think to ourselves, oh, a little donkey and the little baby manger we've seen a million times, and it's so cute and adorable, and there's probably a little cow, and it's awesome. But in reality, let's think about that. You just gave, child, gave birth to a child in a barn. Like, that happened, right? And I think that when we're, when we're looking at Scripture, it's important to read what the divine author has written for us. I don't think it's appropriate to read into it what's not there, but I think here that there is something there, and it's that Jesus came and humbled himself and came as a man, right? And he, he went through this experience. And so we can think where he came from on day one, the day of his birth, to where he's going. I think it's important for us to be mindful of that, um, to understand that. All right, next slide here. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel stood before them. Okay, you're, so your, your life would be rocked now, right, in real life? I'm going to read it again. And behold, that's what you should do, right? This is amazing. There's literally angels in front of you. You're in the field. This is blowing your mind. The angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid, because who wouldn't be? You're literally in a field, you're watching sheep, it's a normal night, it's dark, and we see this language about the glory of the Lord and how, how the presence of the Lord shines. We see that in other places. Can you guys think of other places where we see that? You yelled out to me, this is like Q&A time. Okay, cool, thank you. Preston wasn't paying attention. So the angel of the Lord said to them, Behold, and there was a great light around this angel. We see that in Moses, right? When, when Moses is having a conversation, we, we hear those conversations in the Old Testament in Exodus when they're looking at the tent of meeting in the presence of the Lord. And so the idea of seeing this presence would be awe-inspiring. And so in our song today, when it said, Holy night, fall on your knees, that's what would have happened, and that would have really been felt in that moment. And so they were afraid. Starting up at verse 10, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be afraid here, but it's tough. Do not be afraid for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will see a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. We know he's lying in the barn, right? With the hay and the animals. And so suddenly there was an angel with a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. So this would again be amazing and awe-inspiring and it's moving them. And again, I like to think about what happens next. So what happens next, we know from the scriptures, it just kind of goes to the next part of the story. 
which is, I think, fairly common in Scripture when we're reading these really miraculous things because the person writing the Scripture knows that it's amazing, and they just tell you the story, and they go to the next thing. But if, if we would take a pause right there, they're in the fields, the angels, the bright light, they're singing, there's a multitude of angels, they praise the Lord, and then it goes back dark again, and the angels leave, and it's all quiet. And so in that moment, now the shepherds have a choice to make. They've been given instructions. We know what they're supposed to do. What are they supposed to do? Preston, are you paying attention this time? What are they supposed to do? Go find the baby. I'm just giving you a hard time. I won't do it again. They're supposed to go and find the baby. But I see in that moment a choice, really, because they're told to go do something right now. And they get to decide to go do it or not. And I think for them, it's probably really easy from what they've just gone through. Lights, sounds, angels singing, you're, you're interacting with this holy, holy power, you're probably going to follow those instructions. Behold, right? But for us, we have instructions too. We're told to have instructions, but it's a little more difficult for us, right? Because we're not in that moment they were in. So they're making a choice. They're going forward. Let's continue with the scripture. So it was then, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. I love how it says it there, let us now go. Let us, let us now go. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. I love that language there. They came with haste. They didn't go in a minute. They didn't go next week. They didn't go once I get my life right. They didn't go when the TV shows off, when it's convenient, right? They went now with haste. And that's important. And we are called to go with haste, to do God's work in haste. And, and I think that's really powerful if, if we take the time to really look at that. Um, not when it's convenient. We'll come back to that, though. That's inconvenient for you. Now, when they came and they seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And those who had heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. And so I love this. I love this insight that we're seeing into the shepherds. They made this widely known. They told everyone. They're telling everyone everywhere they're at. I don't know where they, what you would be at in, in shepherd world. It's not like they're at the 7-Eleven or the ATM, but like they're everywhere. Everywhere they go, they're telling them about what happened. And that's important. I think it's important to see that they're different now. Their whole lives are different from probably a day ago, right? They're different. And they're now going forward and they're telling everyone about the Lord. Pick it up in 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. And so I love how we're going to close out that part of Luke 2 now. And, and they, just, they just go back home. They returned, but they're glorifying God and praising God for all of the things that they had seen. And so... We've been doing this thing in our Sunday school, which we'll work through now, where we're trying to 
take the scripture and we're trying to apply it to our lives. And so we're not shepherds in the field walking around, but I think the story still has something for us to take away and learn. And I think that takeaway is when they went back home, it was different. And they're spreading the word and they can't go back because their faith has changed them. And if you remember how we started out today, if your faith doesn't change you, it's just a hobby, but it's not a hobby for the shepherds now. We know from the scripture, their life is different. They're going forward. They're telling everyone about the Lord. All right, we'll have the next slide there. So it wouldn't be a fill-in sermon for Pastor Daniel without a three-point plan, because Pastor Daniel has three-point plans. So I've, in effort to make you feel comfortable, made a three-point plan. So we'll do that. Um, so the first thing we'll talk about today is the basis for your, for your faith. We'll hop into the next one. So the basis for your faith, it, for me, I look to Scripture first, and that's how I get that basis for my faith. Because in my mind, this book is, is the truly inspired work of God. And if you think that, like if you believe what I believe, that this is the truly inspired work of God, then it's probably really important, right? So every year, fun fact, if you don't know, uh, the Bible is the greatest sold book generally every year for like the past hundreds of years, right? Every year. Did you guys know that? Raise your hand if you knew that. Most of you know that. My favorite part about that stat is it's not the most read book that year, though, right? It's the greatest sold book that year, because I think if people were reading it like they were buying it, the world would probably be a little different place. So in, in that context, what do, we, what do people tell us that this book is? Anybody? Good news. So there's a Christian perspective. What's a non-Christian perspective on this book? Fairy tales. Fake. What? It's just a history book. It tells us what happened to those old guys a long time ago, but it doesn't really impact my life today. You've all heard that, right? Part of it's true, some of it's not true, right? So these are all the things that we hear. Some people say that this is a suggestion. It's kind of like a guidepost. You should kind of follow it, but when it doesn't really fit with you, when it's not convenient, then that shouldn't define your faith. When it's not convenient, it can't drive your faith, but when it's consistent with your faith, well, then we like that part. How many of you have had a friend or even yourself when you're reading the book and, and you read a part that's really convenient, you quote like the first half of, of the passage, right? So you know the, the best at, at not doing that is my wife. If you haven't had a talk with my wife about that, that's her pet peeve. And so if you tell my wife half a verse, she's going to get you on that next half. What's your, what's your favorite one to do that on, dear? Love your neighbor as yourself. I love it when she gives the, this, this quote, when people say to her, the Bible says not to judge. You shouldn't judge. And so I've seen my wife do this part. Have you read the next part? Let's just go to it real quick. Take the plank out of your own eye before you judge your neighbor, right? And so it's important if you believe that it's true that you should follow it. And so in that context, I'll read this part and we'll talk about it some more. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I love that. And Stormy and I have been talking about this recently, and we've been talking about it in our, in our Bible study on Sunday mornings here, that if this book is the truly inspired work of God, then the answers are probably in here for life. The basis for your faith is in the book, and if we just go to the book, we're going to be guided in the right direction. We've been talking about it recently at our house, 
just kind of dealing with some tough stuff and tough life situations and family dynamics and just things going on. And I don't know, it was a week or two ago, somebody and I were just like, man, the Bible has the answer for this. We're like struggling trying to find the answer. Like we are good enough to solve that problem. But it says it in there. If you're dealing with relationship problems, if you're dealing with sin problems, life problems, interacting with your peers, leaders that are terrible, it's all in there. It's covered in great length. And so I don't know. Just for me, it was so freeing. About a week ago when it really hit me, like, man, I don't have to solve those problems. The Lord will solve those problems. He's given me the basis for my faith in the Bible to solve these problems. And so for me, it was so freeing. And it was just literally a week ago that that hit me like, man, I don't have to solve all these problems. Next one, next slide. Your faith should define your actions. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, Romans 12, 2. So your faith should define your actions. And so, again, let's put ourselves back in the minds of the shepherds. It's dark. This amazing thing happens. Their faith in what just happened, their faith in God, drove that next step of their life. So for us, how does our faith drive our next step on a regular basis, on a very real and regular basis. I think that it's important to think about why we do take that step and why we don't take that step. So for example, every month, every week, every day, we have these opportunities that our faith can define our actions. And I'll tell you a story. Um, I shared this with our Sunday school a couple of weeks ago. Um, I have a colleague uh, from that I interact with regularly at work and um, she's having a rough time. And we're not like super close. You guys can probably imagine that kind of acquaintance. Like, you know each other, high in passing, you see each other, but we're not real tight. And so I see her a couple weeks ago and, and she's kind of just uncomfortable and she wants to talk to me about something, but I don't know what she wants to talk about. And then so she finally just says to me, hey, um, Daniel, could, could you pray for me? I'm having some tough times going on right now. And so I'm, at that point, I'm prepared to say yes, but then she gets nervous and chickens out. Well, I mean, I don't, I, don't, um, I don't know if you're a prayer. Like, if you don't pray, though, you don't have to. But if you do pray, it'd be cool. But if you don't pray, or like, you know, good vibes, good thoughts, send thoughts my way, just whatever. And I just stopped, and I was like, whoa. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you want prayer, ask for prayer. Don't be so scared that other people's lack of faith drives your life. Your faith should drive your life and define your actions. But... The worst part came next when she said, well, I said, yes, I'll be happy to pray for you. And she said, okay, good. I just, I didn't know if you were a Christian or not. Oh, man, got me good. And the fun, the fun fact is we had just talked about that in Sunday school, how that same thing happened to me like seven years ago. And I was like, I swear I'll never have that happen to me again. I'm going to do better. They're going to know that I'm a Christian. And bam, here it is again. And so I looked right at her and I said, well, Apparently, I've not done a very good job, but yes, I am a Christian. I'd be happy to pray with you. And I said, I'll pray with you, with you later. I said, I'll pray for you this week. And so we, we share that conversation uh, in Sunday school, and we put together kind of a list of how-tos, how to practically have faith guide your life. And so I'll share those with you. When I share that story, Jesse, though, had, I think, one of the greatest things. Uh, he just said, well, you should just pray right now. That should be a thing that we do now. When people ask us for prayer, how many times that happened to you and you go, I will pray for you? 
Or my favorite, how about someone says something on Facebook and we say, I'm going to pray for you. Again, my wife's the best at this. She says, my mom regularly, she'll say, I'm going to pray for you. And Stormy will text her, send me a picture on your knees now praying, or I don't believe it happened. Pray now. Um, and she's just being playful. But the point is true that why don't we just pray right then? Why don't we just, right in that moment, someone asks you for prayer, just pray. Okay, great. We'll pray right now. You get busy and you forget, right? Your faith didn't drive your action that moment. The conveniences of your life did. I'm busy. I have things to do. I've got to run over there. I've got something going on. It's too hard. It's inconvenient. Or a lot of times, I'm not brave enough to do that thing right now. It makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't know how people are going to react to my Christian faith. Um, All of those things distract us from having our faith drive our actions. Have a couple good uh, other good ones we got from Sunday school. Um, this one's really good for for the guys. I think the, the men in the world are really good at this one. And you can raise your hand if you can relate. You're you're out at something, some function, probably because your wife dragged you to it, and you're there. And there's other people there. And and that one guy looks at the other guy and says, "How you doing?" And what does the other guy say back every time when someone says, "Hey, how you been doing?" What does the, what does the guy say back? Busy. Just been busy. How many people heard someone say that? Busy. I'm just been busy. Everyone says that. How many of you have been that person? I, I've been that person. I'm just busy. And the other person says, well, what, 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 how you been doing? It's busy. And that conversation is over. That's a whole conversation in manland. We've just had a whole talk. We're good. We move on. And so, uh, again, our Sunday school class talked about that. And our takeaway, our new strategy for 2023 is talk to them. It's a crazy concept. Have a conversation. Uh, although my favorite, uh, my favorite example was, what if we just really told them how we're doing and see how they're doing? And then we pray for them or we, we share a scripture with them. We, we've actually read our Bibles. So we know what to share with them and then we can invest in their life because we actually talk with them. That's a really good idea. And I thought that was a good takeaway. Hopefully you're writing these down on your paper so you can have takeaways. The third one though is my favorite one. Again, really popular in, in the men world. We always ask the other person, Will, what do you do? Meaning, what do you do for a living, right? We, we do that all the time. And all the guys are like, yeah, that's what happens. Because we don't actually want to talk to each other. And then one guy says, well, I, I work at the Easy Mart. What do you do? I, uh, I work over there at the Air Force Base. Cool. We're done. Whole conversation had. That's Manland, right? We're done. But what if the conversation actually went something like this? Uh, this is another Jesseism. He said, what if you just told them what you did? And it looked like something like this. Hey, what do you do? Oh, man, I'm a Christian. I go to First Baptist Church, McLeod. We've been doing some really cool missions recently. We sent people to Turkey. It's been so cool. We have a children's ministry. We have a great team for that. You think it's on Wednesdays. And here's how I serve, and this is what I do. What do you do? How different would that conversation be, right? And then that, that kind of thing opens the door to talk to someone about what they really do with their life instead of you know that they work at the Easy Mart. I thought that was really interesting. That's what happened in our scripture today, though, right? Our our scripture tells us that the shepherds told everyone. They engaged all of these people, and they're sharing the glory and goodness of God to everyone they meet because their lives are different. So you have to take these opportunities, or you're just missing out. All right, next slide. Your faith should motivate you to share the gospel with others. So I have Matthew 28 here. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the day. And so we're supposed to go and share that, that word with others. And so I've, some of you may have heard my story about, I like to default back to my, my Bible biscuit man. Does anyone know the Bible biscuit story I've told before? Only No one's? Okay, great. I haven't told the story yet then. Okay, so my favorite story from my youth, there was my neighbor. He was a, a devout Christian. He, he wants to share the gospel with others. I'm at the grocery store one day, and he reaches for some biscuits in the biscuit aisle. And I, too, am in need of biscuits, and so I'm waiting to get some biscuits. And he reaches right next to this woman. He has no idea who she is. And he, and, he, and he gets the Pillsbury biscuits, and he looks at her about this close, and he says, do you know Jesus? And he's prepared to have a conversation with her in the biscuit aisle about the Lord Jesus Christ and his faith in the Lord. And some of you look and you laugh, and that's funny, but, man, that's bold, man. I love that. Can you imagine if you shared Jesus in the biscuit aisle? You'd probably share Jesus at work. If you're a biscuit row share, you're probably an at-work share. That's probably just who you are now. Um, and our story of the shepherds, I imagine they were probably biscuit row shares because they're telling everyone. They're sharing the gospel with everyone. But we don't do that. The shepherds were amazed at their core. They've had this moving experience, and they're telling the whole world. But largely, we don't, right? They told everyone they saw from then on. How many people did you all tell or did I tell this week about Jesus Christ? How many did we tell this week? Because if it wasn't everyone, then we don't have the same level of enthusiasm about our faith as the shepherds did. And we all do that. I'm not, it's not you or me. I'm bad at that. How many of you have been in that situation where you feel that call, that Holy Spirit's moving inside of you, you're talking to someone, and you know that you should share a gospel message with this person right now, but then you don't, right? And everyone's going like this, yeah. We've all been there. Why do we do that? So really, why do you do that? What's some reasons why you think people do that? Fear of rejection. What happens if they think that I'm crazy, right? No, that he's, was that Austin you said that? Who is that back? Who is that back there? Yeah, you're right, man. You're rege- fear of rejection. And so, I don't know. I like to joke about things like that because, I mean, I obviously married up. And so I have no problems asking the big questions of people. If you don't ask the pretty girl to prom, she's never going to prom with you kind of thing. If you don't share the gospel of the Lord to person, they may never have it. So yeah, but in that moment, if you did share the gospel and they said, oh, I don't believe in that. That's just that weird book that's made up only half true. Can we guide your life? That opens the door for a conversation. That conversation is going to probably go one of two ways. They're either coming with you to church on Sunday or they're not, right? One or the other. If you don't have that conversation, they're still not coming with you to church on Sunday because you didn't even ask them. You didn't share that moment with them. And so, yeah, I think it hurts our pride more than anything when we're in that awkward moment. You're scared. You don't know what to say. Um, how many of us have been in that moment where you, you do? I've had this happen. You do take that step. And it actually happened to me for the first time here at youth group when I was filling in as youth pastor. I come in all confident. Here's my message. I deliver the message, and the teenager says something back to me that I am not prepared to answer. That is the hardest question. You should not ask that question until you are 35 and you are 17. I am not prepared to talk to you about that today. Um, So what I did, which I would encourage you to do, you don't have to know everything. Again, the book has the answer. 
We can sit down right there. Hopefully you have the Bible app on your phone. We can pull that sucker out. I've done that from time to time. Well, let's just look real quick what the Lord says about that. But even if you don't know, if you don't know in that moment, that's an okay answer too. Because you've opened the door for further conversation. Well, I don't, you know, I don't know. Sometimes it's something big, like they're going through a hard time in their morning, and why would God let this happen? Why would God let someone die or this bad thing happen in my life or these very, very hard things? Because for most people who don't engage in, 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 in a walk with Christ, it's because there's some obstacle there. So it might be hard for us to do that. It might take work for us. It might be inconvenient for our lives to share that word with them. But we have to have those conversations. If we don't take it, we won't do it. What are some other reasons we don't share the gospel? I have a couple here. Uh, what about people thinking it's inappropriate now? Anybody ever had that problem now? It's inappropriate to share the gospel today? Um, it, it, people have that. Um, I had that one a couple, about a year and a half ago. My work was getting, uh, they were taking a, a stance. Well, some people at my work were taking a stance on the abortion issue and wanting to be uh, against my biblical principles for that. And so I just walked in, and I know everyone couldn't do this, but it, my example was, okay, cool, when's my last day? What do you mean? No, I just, I won't work here no more. I didn't know if that's, what, that's who we are. I just, I'm not going to work here no more. And so um, it doesn't matter if it's inappropriate. Um, scripture tells us that we worry about what happens to us, but the birds don't worry about where their next meal comes from, right? And so it's never inappropriate to share the, wor- the word of the Lord, right? And I know some of us do it in creative ways. I've had talks with Carrie, and you know she's a school teacher, and there's different dynamics there. And so we can all have different approaches to how we share that gospel message. But you shouldn't because it's not inappropriate. We can always do that. What about consequences? Anybody ever had that one? There are consequences if you do. Well, I promise you there's consequences if you don't as well. Um, there's consequences for us, but I think more importantly, there's consequences for others. Um, if you look back over the course of your life, you can probably think of that moment where you were called by the Holy Spirit to have that conversation and you didn't, and then you see that person's life years later. Man, if you could have impacted that person's the trajectory of their life by sharing the gospel message with them. So there's going to be consequences either way, but we want the good consequences for people, or at least the opportunity to have it. But I think one of you said it, the biggest reasons we don't share the gospel message with others and share our faith with them is because it's awkward. It's, it, sometimes it's super, super awkward. You share something with them, it's uncomfortable. They don't know how to respond. And the reason why they don't know how to respond is because no one does this, right? If we were used to having these conversations, it would be mainstream and it wouldn't be awkward anymore. Um, but it's not. It's awkward and it's uncomfortable. And so we just have to deal with that as Christians. We have to know that, that it's, it's a, a new and challenging thing a lot of times. But moving that person and planting that seed, you never know by sharing your faith how it impacts their life later. There have been you know, stories, and you probably know them, where someone shares their faith and it takes that person five years to come to Christ or 15 or 20 or 30 years, but you, you did what the Lord told you to do and it matters.